Part seven of Colonel Chabert. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Colonel Chabert by Honoré de Balzac. Translated by Clara Bell and Ellen Marriage. Part seven. The appearance of truth she contrived to give to this answer dissipated the slight suspicion which the Colonel was ashamed to have felt. For three days the Countess was quite charming to her first husband. By tender attentions and unfailing sweetness, she seemed anxious to wipe out the memory of the sufferings he had endured, and to earn forgiveness for the woes which, as she confessed, she had innocently caused him. She delighted in displaying for him the charms she knew he took pleasure in, while at the same time she assumed a kind of melancholy. For men are more especially accessible to certain ways, certain graces of the heart or of the mind, which they cannot resist. She aimed at interesting him in her position, and appealing to his feelings so far as to take possession of his mind and control him despotically ready for anything to attain her ends she did not yet know what she was to do with this man but at any rate she meant to annihilate him socially on the evening of the third day she felt that in spite of her efforts she could not conceal her uneasiness as to the results of her manoeuvres to give herself a minute's reprieve she went up to her room sat down before her writing-table and laid aside the mask of composure which she wore in Chabert's presence, like an actress who, returning to her dressing-room, after a fatiguing fifth act, drops half-dead, leaving with the audience an image of herself which she no longer resembles. She proceeded to finish a letter she had begun to Delbecq, whom she desired to go in her name and demand of Derville the deeds relating to Colonel Chabert, to copy them, and to come to her at once to Grelais. She had hardly finished when she heard the Colonel's step in the passage, uneasy at her absence he had come to look for her alas she exclaimed i wish i were dead my position is intolerable why what is the matter asked the good man nothing nothing she replied she rose left the colonel and went down to speak privately to her maid whom she sent off to paris impressing on her that she was herself to deliver to delbecq the letter just written and to bring it back to the writer as soon as he had read it then the countess went out to sit on a bench sufficiently in sight for the colonel to join her as soon as he might choose. The colonel, who was looking for her, hastened up and sat down by her. Rosine, said he, what is the matter with you? She did not answer. It was one of those glorious calm evenings in the month of June, whose secret harmonies infuse such sweetness into the sunset. The air was clear, the stillness perfect, so that far away in the park they could hear the voices of some children, which added a kind of melody to the sublimity of the scene. "'You do not answer me?' the colonel said to his wife. "'My husband,' said the countess, who broke off, started a little, and with a blush stopped to ask him, "'What am I to say when I speak of Monsieur Ferreau?' "'Call him your husband, my poor child,' replied the colonel, in a kind voice. "'Is he not the father of your children?' "'Well, then,' she said, "'if he should ask what I came here for, if he finds out that I came here alone with a stranger, what am I to say to him?' listen monsieur she went on assuming a dignified attitude decide my fate i am resigned to anything my dear said the colonel taking possession of his wife's hands i have made up my mind to sacrifice myself entirely for your happiness that is impossible she exclaimed with a sudden spasmodic movement remember that you would have to renounce your identity and in an authenticated form what said the colonel is not my word enough for you the word authenticated fell on the old man's heart and roused involuntary distrust. He looked at his wife in a way that made her colour. She cast down her eyes, and he feared that he might find himself compelled to despise her. The Countess was afraid lest she had scared the shy modesty, the stern honesty. 
of a man whose generous temper and primitive virtues were known to her though these feelings had brought the clouds to her brow they immediately recovered their harmony this was the way of it a child's cry was heard in the distance jules leave your sister in peace the countess called out what are your children here said chabert yes but i told them not to trouble you the old soldier understood the delicacy the womanly tact of so gracious a precaution and took the countess's hand to kiss it but let them come said he the little girl ran up to complain of her brother mamma mamma it was jules it was her their little hands were held out to their mother and the two childish voices mingled it was an unexpected and charming picture poor little things cried the countess no longer restraining her tears i shall have to leave them to whom will the law assign them a mother's heart cannot be divided i want them i want them are you making mamma cry said jules looking fiercely at the colonel silence jules said the mother in a decided tone the two children stood speechless examining their mother and the stranger with a curiosity which it is impossible to express in words oh yes she cried if i am separated from the count only leave me my children and i will submit to anything this was the decisive speech which gained all that she had hoped from it yes exclaimed the colonel as if he were ending a sentence already begun in his mind i must return underground again i had told myself so already can i accept such a sacrifice replied his wife if some men have died to save a mistress's honour they gave their life but once but in this case you would be giving your life every day no no it is impossible if it were only your life it would be nothing but to sign a declaration that you are not colonel chabert to acknowledge yourself an impostor to sacrifice your honour and live a lie every hour of the day human devotion cannot go so far only think no but for my poor children i would have fled with you by this time to the other end of the world but said chabert cannot i live here in your little lodge as one of your relations i am as worn out as a cracked cannon i want nothing but a little tobacco in the constitutionnel the countess melted into tears there was a contest of generosity between the countess ferreau and colonel chabert and the soldier came out victorious one evening seeing this mother with her children the soldier was bewitched by the touching grace of a family picture in the country in the shade and the silence he made a resolution to remain dead and frightened no longer at the authentication of a deed he asked what he could do to secure beyond all risk the happiness of this family do exactly as you like said the countess i declare to you that i will have nothing to do with this affair i ought not delbeck had arrived some days before and in obedience to the countess's verbal instructions the intendant had succeeded in gaining the old soldier's confidence so on the following morning colonel chabert went with their erewhile attorney to saint leo taverny where delbeck had caused a notary to draw up an affidavit in such terms that after hearing it read the colonel started up and walked out of the office turf and thunder what a fool you must think me why i should make myself out a swindler he exclaimed indeed monsieur said delbeck i should advise you not to sign in haste in your place i would get at least thirty thousand francs a year out of the bargain madame would pay them after annihilating this scoundrel emeritus by the lightning look of an honest man insulted the colonel rushed off carried away by a thousand contrary emotions he was suspicious indignant and calm again by turns finally he made his way back into the park of grelay by a gap in a fence and slowly walked on to sit down and rest and meditate at his ease in a little room under a gazebo from which the road to saint could be seen the path being strewn with the yellowish sand which is used instead of river gravel the countess who was sitting in the upper room of this little summer-house did not hear the colonel's approach 
for she was too much preoccupied with the success of her business to pay the smallest attention to the slight noise made by her husband nor did the old man notice that his wife was in the room over him well monsieur delbecq has he signed the countess asked her secretary whom she saw alone on the road beyond the hedge of a ha-ha no madame i do not even know what has become of our man the old horse reared then we shall be obliged to put him into charenton said she since we have got him the colonel who recovered the elasticity of youth to leap the ha-ha in the twinkling of an eye was standing in front of delbecq on whom he bestowed the two finest slaps that ever a scoundrel's cheeks received and you may add that old horses can kick said he his rage spent the colonel no longer felt vigorous enough to leap the ditch he had seen the truth in all its nakedness the countess speech and delbecq's reply had revealed the conspiracy of which he was to be the victim the care taken of him was but a bait to entrap him in a snare that speech was like a drop of subtle poison bringing on in the old soldier a return of all his sufferings physical and moral he came back to the summer-house through the park-gate walking slowly like a broken man then for him there was to be neither peace nor truce from this moment he must begin the odious warfare with this woman of which derville had spoken enter on a life of litigation feed on gall drink every morning of the cup of bitterness and then fearful thought where was he to find the money needful to pay the cost of the first proceedings he felt such disgust of life that if there had been any water at hand he would have thrown himself into it that if he had had a pistol he would have blown out his brains then he relapsed into the indecision of mind which since his conversation with derville at the dairyman's had changed his character at last having reached the kiosk he went up to the gazebo where little rose windows afforded a view over each lovely landscape of the valley and where he found his wife seated on a chair the countess was gazing at the distance and preserved a calm countenance showing that impenetrable face which women can assume when resolved to do their worst she wiped her eyes as if she had been weeping and played absently with the pink ribbons of her sash nevertheless in spite of her apparent assurance she could not help shuddering slightly when she saw before her her venerable benefactor standing with folded arms his face pale his brow stern madame he said after gazing at her fixedly for a moment and compelling her to blush madame i do not curse you i scorn you i can now thank the chance that has divided us i do not feel even a desire for revenge i no longer love you i want nothing from you live in peace on the strength of my word it is worth more than the scrawl of all the notaries in paris i will never assert my claim to the name i perhaps have made illustrious i am henceforth but a poor devil named hyacinthe who asks no more than his share of the sunshine farewell the countess threw herself at his feet she would have detained him by taking his hands but he pushed her away with disgust saying do not touch me the countess expression when she heard her husband's retreating steps is quite indescribable then with a deep perspicacity given only by utter villainy or by fierce worldly selfishness she knew that she might live in peace on the word and the contempt of this loyal veteran chabert in fact disappeared the dairyman failed in business and became a hackney cab driver the colonel perhaps took up some similar industry for a time perhaps like a stone flung into a chasm he went falling from ledge to ledge to be lost in the mire of rags that seized through the streets of paris six months after this event derville hearing no more of colonel chabert or the comtesse ferraud supposed that they had no doubt come to a compromise which the countess out of revenge had had arranged by some other lawyer so one morning he added up the sums he had advanced to the said chabert with the costs and begged the comtesse ferraud to claim from monsieur le comte chabert the amount of the bill assuming that she would know where to find her first husband 
the very next day conferro's man of business lately appointed president of the county court in a town of some importance wrote this distressing note to derville monsieur madame la comtesse ferro desires me to inform you that your client took complete advantage of your confidence and that the individual calling himself comte chabert has acknowledged that he came forward under false pretences yours etc delbecq one comes across people who are on my honour too stupid by half cried derville they don't deserve to be christians be humane generous philanthropical and a lawyer and you are bound to be cheated there is a piece of business that will cost me two thousand franc notes some time after receiving this letter derville went to the palais de justice in search of a pleader to whom he wished to speak and who was employed in the police court as chance would have it derville went into court number six at the moment when the presiding magistrate was sentencing one hyacinthe to two months imprisonment as a vagabond and subsequently to be taken to the mendicity house of detention a sentence which by magistrate's law is equivalent to perpetual imprisonment on hearing the name of hyacinthe derville looked at the delinquent sitting between two gendarmes on the bench for the accused and recognised in the condemned man his false colonel chabert the old soldier was placid motionless almost absent-minded in spite of his rags in spite of the misery stamped on his countenance it gave evidence of noble pride his eye had a stoical expression which no magistrate ought to have misunderstood but as soon as a man has fallen into the hands of justice he is no more than a moral entity a matter of law or of fact just as to statist he has become a zero when the veteran was taken back to the lock-up to be removed later with the batch of vagabonds at that moment at the bar derville availed himself of the privilege accorded to lawyers of going wherever they pleased in the courts and followed him to the lock-up where he stood scrutinizing him for some minutes as well as the curious crew of beggars among whom he found himself the passage to the lock-up at that moment afforded one of those spectacles which unfortunately neither legislators nor philanthropists nor painters nor writers come to study like all the laboratories of the law this anteroom is a dark and malodorous place along the walls runs a wooden seat blackened by the constant presence there of the wretches who come to this meeting-place of every form of social squalor where not one of them is missing a poet might say that the day was ashamed to light up this dreadful sewer through which so much misery flows there is not a spot on that plank where some crime has not sat in embryo or matured not a corner where a man has never stood who driven to despair by the blight which justice has set upon him after his first fault has not there begun a career at the end of which looms the guillotine or the pistol snap of the suicide all who fall on the pavement of paris rebound against these yellow-grey walls on which a philanthropist who was not a speculator might read a justification of the numerous suicides complained of by hypocritical writers who are incapable of taking a step to prevent them for that justification is written in that anteroom like a preface to the dramas of the morgue or to those enacted on the place de la greve at this moment colonel chabert was sitting among these men men with coarse faces clothed in the horrible livery of misery and silent at intervals or talking in a low tone for three gendarmes on duty paced to and fro their sabres clattering on the floor do you recognize me said derville to the old man standing in front of him yes sir said chabert rising if you are an honest man derville went on in an undertone how could you remain in my debt the old soldier blushed as a young girl might when accused by her mother of a clandestine love affair what madame ferraud has not paid you cried he in a loud voice paid me said derville she wrote to me that you were a swindler the colonel cast up his eyes in a sublime impulse of horror and imprecation as if to call heaven to witness to this fresh subterfuge monsieur said he in a voice that was calmed by sheer huskiness 
get the gendarme to allow me to go into the lock-up and i will sign an order which will certainly be honoured at a word from derville to the sergeant he was allowed to take his client into the room where hyacinthe wrote a few lines and addressed them to the Comtesse Vero. send her that said the soldier and you will be paid your costs and the money you advanced believe me monsieur if i have not shown you the gratitude i owe you for your kind offices it is not the less there and he laid his hand on his heart yes it is there deep and sincere but what can the unfortunate do they live and that is all what said derville did you not stipulate for an allowance do not speak of it cried the old man you cannot conceive how deep my contempt is for the outside life to which most men cling i was suddenly attacked by a sickness disgust of humanity when i think that napoleon is at st helena everything on earth is a matter of indifference to me i can no longer be a soldier that is my only real grief after all he added with a gesture of childish simplicity it is better to enjoy luxury of feeling than of dress for my part i fear nobody's contempt and the colonel sat down on his bench again derville went away on returning to his office he sent godeschal at that time his second clerk to the comtesse ferro who on reading the note at once paid the sum due to comte chabert's lawyer in eighteen forty towards the end of june godeschal now himself an attorney went to re with derville to whom he had succeeded when they reached the avenue leading from the high road to Bicetre, they saw under one of the elm-trees by the wayside one of those old broken and hoary paupers who have earned the marshal's staff among beggars by living on at Bicetre, as poor women live on at la salpetriere this man one of the two thousand poor creatures who are lodged in the infirmary for the aged was seated on a corner-stone and seemed to have concentrated all his intelligence on an operation well known to these pensioners which consists in drying their snuffy pocket-handkerchiefs in the sun perhaps to save washing them this old man had an attractive countenance he was dressed in a reddish cloth wrapper coat which the workhouse affords to its inmates a sort of horrible livery i say derville said godeschal to his travelling companion look at that old fellow isn't he like those grotesque carved figures we get from germany and it is alive perhaps it is happy derville looked at the poor man through his eyeglass and with a little exclamation of surprise he said that old man my dear fellow is a whole poem or as the romantics say a drama did you ever meet the comtesse ferro yes she is a clever woman and agreeable but rather too pious said godeschal that old beset pauper is her lawful husband comte chabert the old colonel she has had him sent here no doubt and if he is in this workhouse instead of living in a mansion it is solely because he reminded the pretty countess that he had taken her like a hackney-cab on the street i can remember now the tiger's glare she shot him at that moment this opening having excited godeschal's curiosity derville related the story he had told two days later on monday morning as they returned to paris the two friends looked again at bicetre and derville proposed that they should call on colonel chabert halfway up the avenue they found the old man sitting on the trunk of a felled tree with his stick in one hand he was amusing himself with drawing lines in the sand on looking at him narrowly they perceived that he had been breakfasting elsewhere than at bicetre good morning colonel chabert said derville not chabert not chabert my name is hyacinthe replied the veteran i am no longer a man i am number hundred and sixty-four room seven he added looking at derville with timid anxiety the fear of an old man and a child are you going to visit the man condemned to death he asked after a moment's silence he is not married he is very lucky poor fellow said godeschal would you like something to buy snuff with all the simplicity of a street arab the colonel eagerly held out his hand to the two strangers who each gave him a twenty-franc piece he thanked them with a puzzled look saying brave troopers 
he ported arms pretended to take aim at them and shouted with a smile fire both arms vive napoleon and he drew a flourish in the air with his stick the nature of his wound has no doubt made him childish said derville childish he said another old pauper who was looking on why there are days when you had better not tread on his corns he is an old rogue full of philosophy and imagination but to-day what can you expect he has had his monday treat he was here monsieur so long ago as eighteen twenty at that time a prussian officer whose chase was crawling up the hill of villedruif came by on foot we two were together Iasant and i by the roadside the officer as he walked was talking to another a russian or some animal of the same species and when the prussian saw the old boy just to make fun he said to him here's an old cavalry man who must have been at rosbach i was too young to be there said Iasant, but i was at jena and the prussian made off pretty quick without asking any more questions what a destiny exclaimed derville taken out of the foundling hospital to die in the infirmary for the aged after helping napoleon between whiles to conquer egypt and europe do you know my dear fellow derville went on after a pause there are in modern society three men who can never think well of the world the priest the doctor and the man of law and they wear black robes perhaps because they are in mourning for every virtue and every illusion the most hapless of the three is the lawyer when a man comes in search of the priest he is prompted by repentance by remorse by beliefs which make him interesting which elevate him and comfort the soul of the intercessor whose task will bring him a sort of gladness he purifies repairs and reconciles but we lawyers we see the same evil feelings repeated again and again nothing can correct them our offices are sewers which can never be cleansed how many things have i learned in the exercise of my profession i have seen a father die in a garret deserted by two daughters to whom he had given forty thousand francs a year i have known wills burned i have seen mothers robbing their children wives killing their husbands and working on the love they could inspire to make the men idiotic or mad that they might live in peace with the lover i have seen women teaching the child of their marriage such tastes as must bring it to the grave in order to benefit the child of an illicit affection i could not tell you all i have seen for i have seen crimes against which justice is impotent in short all the horrors that romancers suppose they have invented are still below the truth you will know something of these pretty things as for me i am going to live in the country with my wife i have a horror of paris i have seen plenty of them already in desroches office replied godeschal paris february march eighteen thirty two end of part seven end of colonel chabert